You know, it's always a good start when Spotify Live starts your room and doesn't actually let you join the room. It tells you a user has the room and it does nothing. So that actually ties in nicely to the theme of today, a trade deadline about nothing. And let me start to get the links together. But thank you for joining me for this uh, this lovely vent session that we're going to have here today because Chuck Fletcher has absolutely... He's reached a new low today. <laughs> this really is as bad as it gets for the uh, the Philadelphia Hockey Flyers here, a a franchise that finds new and fascinating ways to disappoint us. So give me one moment, folks, and I will get everything up and running and hopefully get some guests from BSH that can go back and forth with me on Duncan on one Charles J. Fletcher. I don't think that's his middle initial, but let's go with it. Let's go with it. Okay. Got that going. I wanted, looking at the comments, 69 said, I wanted to do Rob Blake a favor. That's good. Oh, Chuck Fletcher. What a. So if I'm sure anybody joining this is uh, fully aware of just how bad everything is today. But it, Chuck Fletcher, the minimum expectation today was that he would trade, trade James Van Riemsdyk away, that he maybe would trade Justin Braun away, you know, expiring contracts. If you got to take like a mid to late round pick, no problem, right? That's, that's fine. It's not ideal, but at least it's something for an expiring contract. And all Chucky two trades managed to do was he traded Zach McEwen, who was one of the only fun guys on the team. You know, that, that, that hair, that flow, that stash, you know, at least Zach McEwen was fun. He traded him for Brendan Lemieux. And what was it? A fifth round pick. Terrific. Great. And he traded Patrick Brown to Ottawa. Patrick Brown, who I forget is on the team on a daily basis. So it's uh, pretty bad. Pretty pretty lousy. Uh, if anybody would like to join, please feel free to come on and give me your best Chuck Fletcher dunks. I am all about it today. You know, nothing. I was going to say nothing is off limits, but that's a dangerous thing to say at any point about anything. <laughs> It's just, it's what a week it's been. One of the most exciting trade deadline weeks I can remember. And today, absolute horseshit. Just a terrible, terrible day for, certainly for the Flyers, but it was pretty boring in general. I mean, I, I know we were hoping there would be a few more things moved, but I mean, Patrick Kane was moved already earlier in the week. And... Timo Meyer had already been moved. I'm trying to think. Like Eric Carlson didn't end up getting traded, so that was certainly a big factor. But yeah, a lot of the big guns had already been gone. So all right, 69 would like to speak. Excellent. Let's bring this nice gentleman on here. Hey Steve, how's it going? What's going on? Oh man, what what a day it is. And it's just sunshine and could not ask for a better day, right? You got that right. 
And that would be the sound of me cracking open a cold one to, uh, I might, I might join you there in a second. Um, yeah. I, it, it's, it's officially, it's time. He's got to go. There's no holding back. He's like gotta go. you cannot promote him to president and just have him maintain a role with this team. Dave Scott's got to be on the hot seat as well. Um, all the, was it the good old boys club with the, uh, advisors and stuff like that. Get them all out of here. I don't even know if I could like trust Danny Briere because of how much he was groomed by this regime to be a competent GM. I mean, if it, it's just like any, any notes you took during the Chuck Fletcher, um, I guess rain as GM. And if you're Danny Briere, just do the, do the direct opposite. That's all you have to do. And I mean, if be, anything, it's, it's a learning experience through what not to do. Exactly. Um, it's just like I mean, it's it's also like it kind of goes back to like I hate like I love Charlie. I like follow him as well. He had some great great points during that press conference, but he's really starting to put his foot down and like go after Chuck now as well. And and until like the beat writers and all of them start to step up and like really put out like go after Chuck Fletcher, I really don't think anything's going to be done because Comcast is just like. They're a corporation, the way corporations run, as long as the money's flowing in and there's no public outcry, um, nothing's going to change. Yeah. The best thing I've seen in that regard was that huge Rangers presence at the Wells Fargo Center the other night. I, it, like, it was disgusting, but at the same time, it's the kind of visual that Comcast needs to see their building getting taken over by opposing fan bases, and they need to see more empty seats. They need to see people. I mean, the, the interest in this team regionally has never been lower. I I can't remember a time less people have been interested in the Philadelphia Flyers. It's why would you be interested in this team? They're going nowhere. They're not fun to watch. There's nothing interesting about the Flyers. They're a rudder, rudderless ship, essentially. And um, yeah, I, I can't wait to see what the uh, the, was it the season ticket holders meeting that they're going to have this weekend. I mean, that is I, tomorrow, I believe. Yeah, tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I don't know how Chuck Chuck Fletcher survives. Like they are oh going God. to be like vicious towards him. Um, I need a lot. And rightfully so. Him. Rightfully so. Like he, everything that he's done, he's brought on himself. Absolutely. He has brought it on himself. It, it's just it, this is about the most pathetic day I can think of for a Flyers. And t- don't get me wrong. Ron Hextall had a lot of pathetic days, but. This is just like this. There were so many obvious moves, and he did none of them. The only thing, again, all he did, Patrick Brown and Zach McEwen. Nobody was asking to get rid of Zach McEwen. No, <laughs> he's a slightly better hockey player than Delorier, but Delorier can fight better than Zach McEwen, is what it comes down to. Yeah, you got that right. <laughs> I mean, you might as well have them both on the fourth line, just being the Bash Brothers and call it a day. But, you know, just going back to your point about the media, like, I, I like that Charlie asked the hard questions, but you need more people asking the hard questions, which, considering some of the, the old boys in the, the media, there ain't exactly going to happen either. And I think, yeah, Chuck mentioned something where he was like, um, man, you guys are really going to beat this up. About, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, uh, do you realize like how much you just screwed up today? I think he has. I, this guy lives in a bubble. I, like, I, I feel like he's just so clueless as to what the expectation is, as to what actually like 
needs to happen. And I, I'm just so sick and tired of him right now. And this, ugh, this is, I, I'm out of words at this point for what to I say would, about Chuck Fletcher. Yeah. I was always, uh, Hextall was worse. Hextall was worse until like, I would say the past like six months. And this is just like, I don't, I don't understand. Like there's no way that anyone could be on the side now that, uh, Hextall's worse than Fletcher. Like I'm watching the Penguins. Don't get me wrong. I'm laughing at the Penguins right now, but man, I oh, would love. That's the only consolation I have. I would love to have those problems again compared to what we have going on right now. Oh, for but, sure. Yeah. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. For sure. Thanks for jumping on, man. I appreciate it. All right. looks like Ryan Quigley and Kurt, two flight paniacs have joined us Two great flight co-hosts. How are we doing? Gentlemen? Boo. I can't be on long because I'm driving and I don't want to like, you know, die in a car accident. Well, actually, I kind of do after today, but um, I feel <laughs> <Jesus> like <Christ. laughs> famous last <laughs> words from Ryan Quigley. Yeah, really. But um, l- let me, I'll just say this. So on Tuesday, when Chuck spoke to the media, he was very forthright in what he wanted to do. He came out and he said, like, we're going to sell. I want to acquire draft picks and prospects and young guys. I want to get younger. I want the team to get younger. And what did he do instead? He acquires two very late round draft picks. Okay, cool. And he gets Brendan Lemieux. And I'm just sitting here wondering, just, I, I, I'm speechless at how the Flyers managed, at how Chuck Fletcher managed to not trade James Van Riemsdyk, who was an un, he was such a tradable asset. Were they going to get a first round pick for JVR? No, they were not. They were never going to do that. Not on the term he had, or not on the um, deal he was on. They were going to have to retain money. It was just like it wasn't going to happen. They weren't getting a first round pick. Probably not even a second round pick, but a third. You would think that would be possible. A any adequate GM would be able to get something of legitimate value for James Van Riemsdyk. And this is the second time that Chuck Fletcher has failed to move JVR. He, he, as we all remember, he failed to do it over the summer and that cost them Johnny Goudreau. And now it's costing, honestly, it's costing the Flyers, the fans. This, this time it's costing them the fans. I would hope and so. I but- just, this is insane. There's still more people in the Wells Fargo Center every game than I expect there to be. I, I mean, I want to see that place empty. I don't know. Do we have to just, like, get get to the front gates and just say, like, my friend, are you sure you want to go in there today? Some people really just want Flyers ice cube molds. I mean, they, they've had good giveaways yeah. this year, but for what? <laughs> At what cost? When's the next Chia Pet is what I want to know. I mean, we got a Sean Couturier bobblehead at the end of the year, which is hilarious. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so oh, poor guy. But yeah. I mean, this is just uh, the, this is how many get the amount of unbelievable, unthinkable gaffes from Chuck Fletcher over the last two, three years has been, it, it's mind boggling. I can't believe how unfit this guy is to be the general manager and president of hockey ops for the Philadelphia Flyers. And I don't know, I don't know if he survives this somehow. I don't know what to say. I really don't. Things are not going to get better until they're going to get worse before they get better. And when they do get better, Chuck Fletcher is not going to be part of it because things won't get better 
with him as the GM. Someone else has to take over. It's gotten to that point. And if the if if uh, uh, Dave Scott or whoever else is above making these decisions doesn't understand that, then we have much much bigger problems right now. Uh, oh, we do have just, bigger problems than that. This is horrible. This is as bad as it. I mean, listen. I know at the grand scheme, like we're complaining about not getting a fourth round pick for JVR. I get it. Like it's not that big a deal, but it's the fact that he's just showing such clear signs of not being able to negotiate. He's not able to, he's not able to communicate with his, with fellow GMs into creating deals that are beneficial for his team. And like, we heard him say it during the press conference, like, Oh, well they would have had to move a player. And I just figured I'd make it easier for the Kings and take on Brendan Lemieux. Like, your job is not to make things easier for other teams. Your job is to make things good for your own team. And that's a wild I, quote to me. That that is an absolutely that's the wildest quote. thing. Like he is he just too nice? Is that the problem? Like you're in the wrong no. profession if you're too nice. Like I I've said on the show before. Yes, I want a GM like Howie Roseman is the best example I can think of because that man does not give a shit about your feelings. That is a machine. That is a guy who is just meant to, to try no. and build winning teams. And Howie Roseman is out for blood every time he's trying to make a trade. Give me a shark. And yeah, yeah, exactly. No, you're right. And you know what? Like, this is just, I don't, I truly don't. He should be fired today. Honestly, he really should. He's not going to be because that's just not how the flyers operate. But I don't know how you give this man control of the draft, especially in a draft year as crucial as this one, where it's as deep as it is. I don't know how, I don't know how he's, he can be trusted to be pressing the buttons here. I mean, this is just unfathomable, unfathomably. I can't even use my words. right. It's just incredible. I don't believe that this, that he actually screwed such an easy task up like this royally it's yeah it's wild to me kurt how you feeling my guy <sighs> yeah you know so like so he talked a little bit or fletcher talked a bit there like you know it's it's a lot of money for teams to take on and i listened to frank saravalli talk a little bit right before chuck was on about because you know he's still relatively plugged in and he he basically said it you that, know, that was around the time that jay rosehill was making uh wife swap jokes right yeah that was it, it was it was i don't remember if it was before or after that i had to scroll a little bit to get to the, this part and yeah jay rosehill's <laughs> talking about trading the richie brothers and also swapping their wives i don't know it was, it was weird it was really weird um <laughs> That's a new a new triathlon. He's making. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Um, but yeah, no. And he talked about how like teams didn't want to teams didn't want to take on JVR even at three five, and like there was and you had to get an extra you know an extra team involved, and like yeah, you know what? I get it. That's hard. Like it's seven mils a lot for a guy who on a good team is probably the third liner, maybe like probably, but man. You ha- you knew this. Like you you got a cap you you can get to cap friendly just like we can. You can see this. Like you got like I, I feel like I'm Tim Robinson yelling at Chunky saying you had all season to figure it out. Like I, I Do you even know what you do? <laughs> figure out what you do. Figure out what you do, Chuck. Yeah. I mean it's it's like and again, to your point, I forget if it was you or Ryan who said this, but like yeah. He went in front of the microphone three days ago and said, yeah, we're selling. Like there was no, 
like there was no ambiguity like there was last summer or last year. He's like, it's an aggressive retool. Like none of that. I was like, no, we're selling. Yeah, totally. Like his coach went out there and like, granted, he and his coach don't always say the same things, but he's like, yeah, we're selling. This is the one piece you have that you should be able to get value for even at 7 million. And like, if you knew and you knew that the money was going to be a problem, then work it out a little bit in advance, like make some calls. I believe him when he said he made some calls, but I don't know, man. A lot of guys got traded this week. A lot of guys got traded this week. Your guy who is on an expiring contract, like, I don't know. I'm not, I, I, predictably, I'm not super high on Chuck Fletcher, but not that anyone is at this point, but even I, like, I don't know. Like, this was the one that seemed like a layup. Like, you know, you got rid of Patrick Brown and got literally anything of value for him. Cool. You got literally anything of value for Zach McEwen. Cool. TB, I, I reserve the right to rescind that statement if you re-sign Brendan Lemieux. But, well, <laughs> come on. Come on. My and, question and is, my question how? is this. Like, why is it that so many other GMs are able to, are able to make trades like this for, with players under similar contract situations as JVR? But, Chuck Fletcher isn't. Why Why are so many other GMs able to move money around and move contracts, especially on a day like today or a week like this week where it's just been insanity every single day? What is it that he's missing? Like, what does he not have that other GMs have? It, it's clearly something. And I just don't, I don't understand how this is being viewed as acceptable in any way. And... um. We we heard at the end of his press conference, he says, "Like I have, I said I was going to make a competitive team. I haven't done that. I'm not doing it." Like he knows he's doing a horrible job. And what's happening to like what? What are the next steps here? Is are they going to trust him to fix himself? Like, or I, I don't trust know. Trust him to fix it. This malfunctioning robot will I don't fix know himself. I have no idea what this is. <laughs> Terrible. This is just. I th- I just saw this quote from uh, from Charlie. Well, it's a Fletcher quote that Charlie posted on Twitter. I'm not worried about my job. Whatever happens with me will happen with me. That's up to Dave Scott. But everything I do is about doing what's right for the Philadelphia Flyers and not taking shortcuts. And that's in part why we didn't make any more deals today. What? Because it's in the Flyers' best interest to have JVR around for the next two months before he inevitably just walks in free agency. Could you imagine, or if, they they re-sign re-sign him? Could you imagine if they re-sign him? <laughs> I have been thinking about this all season. It has been a nightmare of mine. Kind of feel bad for JVR. Like, just a little. Like, not that much. I, I like James. Not that much. He's a pro athlete. He's, he's, done nothing he's a pro wrong. athlete who's making $7 million a year to play hockey. Like, he'll be fine. But I kind of feel bad for JVR. Just yeah. a little. Because I feel like after this, JVR is going to get a ton of hate from the fans. And he doesn't – how did he do that? Like, he doesn't deserve anything. Like, it's not his fault that the general manager is bad at his job. JVR, like, he's been doing what he can, you know? It's this and also last offseason when, like, he was clearly the guy where, like, well, you have to move him to get Johnny Gaudreau. Like, I don't know, man. He signed the contract. He's trying. Like, but, yeah, I mean, wrong place, wrong time for him. And I'm sure he – sure the last five years didn't go the way he's expected either. But yeah. Is there a polite way that we can, we can boo when JVR is on the ice, but tell him this isn't directed to you. This is directed to Chuck Fletcher, not <laughs> trading you. 
we just like honestly every time <laughs> every time JVR scores a goal, everyone in the arena should just not make any sense. I just be really awkwardly I, silent. I wish there was a way just don't... to get the other half of the fan base that is still showing up to games and the season ticket holders on the same page with these like kind of protests because we need to send them more messages than we've been sending them because they're not getting it. They're not getting it at all. Hey, Joe's been sitting here patiently waiting to speak, and uh, we, we've we've been ignoring Joe here. We got to let Joe get some words in. How you doing, Joe? Hey guys, how's it going? What's up? Oh, just just wonderful, my guy. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of an empty question, I guess, isn't it? No, I mean, I guess. So for me, I've been trying to like categorize or like conceptualize my hatred for Chuck Fletcher. Right? I feel like we all just like bitch and moan a lot, and. For me, I've been trying to think about it of like, okay, let's turn to other GMs, right? So other GMs, generally speaking, when a GM gets fired, what happens is ownership kind of like looks back on the last few years and they're like, you know what? The team's not really going in the direction that we thought. And, you know, maybe some of your moves like weren't the best at the end of the day. And, you know, obviously like hindsight's twenty twenty, but like sucks to suck, you got to go, right? I feel like that's that's kind of like where we were with Fletcher, like maybe like a year ago or a year and a half ago. But we're kind of beyond that now. Like what Quiggs was saying was effectively like, we don't trust Fletcher to do anything moving forward. Like we don't trust him to do like basic things that like you need to do as a GM. So we're not even talking about like, you know what? Over the last two years, you created a really shitty team. Okay. You but like, we're not even there anymore. Like at this point, like we're so tired. We're basically just saying like, you don't know how to negotiate. That is a job requirement. Congratulations. You suck. You got to go, right? Like you don't know how to talk to people. Like that is a basic job requirement, right? Like that's what was so comical about the, the comments in like the press conference a long time ago where he said like, oh, like moving money's hard, right? Like Yes, that's your job. Like, it's a basic job requirement. It's, I think we're at the point where, like, we're not even looking at, like, the team that Chuck has created. We're just looking at him as, like, a candidate for a general manager position. And we're like, you can't do this. Like, someone else needs to step in because you are incapable. <laughs> and, and that's what this whole trade is, like, reflective of, right? Like, sure, we can complain about JVR not being moved. We can complain about how hilarious it is that, like, you know, he decided to, you know, his first priority was like McEwen, like, okay, fine. But like really what that is for me is just reflective of like this broader issue that he is just like generally incompetent. It's like, put the team aside. He just like has no idea what he's doing in the office and someone else needs to like step in and do something. Maybe he's doing like a George Costanza where Costanza's trying to get fired from the Yankees to get a, a new job as a, a baseball scout. And he's just wrecking the World Series trophy. He's like wearing a nude skin suit onto like maybe he's just screaming to get fired <laughs> and nobody's listening. Oh look, I've been saying I've who been saying No, who are the Mets? Go ahead, equation? Kelly. Sorry. Who are the Mets in this I mean, <laughs> The New York Islanders yeah. are the, the, the Mets, I suppose. Oh my god. Yeah. No, I, I just think like, I, I feel like we've gotten to a point where it's like, we don't trust anything that he's going to do from now on, regardless of what he's done in the past. Can we just do something else? Just anything else? Can we just do something else? Find a different person. I don't care who it is. 
Here's a good question for the crowd. When was the last time you trusted Fluck, Chuck? I almost said fuck, fuck Fletcher or something like that. When was the last time you, you trusted Chuck Fletcher to do anything competent? Like when was the last time you felt any remote faith? So I would say immediate aftermath of the Ryan Ellis trade before any, like before literally anything. I happened. think that's perfectly fair. I think that's a fair. I agree like, with that. Yeah, like pretty much like before he even boarded a flight to Philadelphia in that moment, I thought to myself, oh shit, maybe Chuck can get some stuff done. Because at that moment, for that brief period of time, it's and you know, like Chuck had really it's like, one over. It's like unfortunate because I think that actually had potential to be like where we could actually look back on it and say like, it's that's one of those moves. And we've talked about this a million times, right? But like, that's one of those moves where you look back and you're like, man, it's really, really unfortunate that didn't work out because Chuck might've done something right there and it just didn't work out. But we've like lost so much faith in Chuck Dodger that it's at, it's, it's, it's at the point where it's like, we don't even trust that that was a good move. Like we're speculating that like everyone else knew about the injury and like Chuck was the only lunatic who didn't. You know what I mean? Like, we don't even trust that, like, that could have been something good. Because I agree with you, Kelly. Like, I think that looked good in the moment. And I was even willing to say, like, it was just an unfortunate set of circumstances that led to what it is. And I'd even be willing to go back and say, like, that might still look good now. And it's just unfortunate. But I don't know if I trust him that much. Yeah, I, th- I think I think that's the timing there is right from Hinkle because like that that off season, that was going to be a tricky off season no matter what, and we went into it going like they need to get a good defenseman, like they gotta they gotta find a way to add someone, and it it really seemed like he had done it, it really did because like he had the good off season his first one here where they brought in Niskin and brought in brought in Braun Hayes, I guess in hindsight how good was it, but at the time you know Flyers had a good year the next year. After the bubble season, they didn't do anything that offseason. That was a bad offseason. And the third one in 2021 was sort of like, all right, now he has to show. Can he actually do this? And it, his first big move being getting Ryan Ellis for functionally nothing, like, that was big. That that made you think, okay, maybe, maybe this is going to work. Like, if he stays healthy, he's really good, maybe this is going to work. And, yeah, everything since then, because a week later they traded – or. You know, like four days after that, they traded Shane Gostaspare for less than nothing. Then they traded for Asmus Ristolainen in the next day. Then they signed Keith Yandel. Then they then everything else happened. It was all bad. And yeah, and then you go into last off season, and it's like, all right, well, can't we can't get more mad, right? And then we do because he doesn't sign Johnny Gaudreau and also doesn't rebuild. And then we go into this trade deadline. We're like, well, we can't get more mad, can we? Yeah, turns out we can. So, like, we need to stop thinking we can't. Like, I don't even know if it's worse than it was before. Like, maybe in the sense that we all sort of had a baseline expectation they were going to trade JVR and they didn't. But it seems like we're going to keep finding – they're going to keep giving us reasons to get more mad. And, like, not trading JVR isn't the worst thing that Chuck Fletcher's done, but it just seems like the most dumbfounding thing. Right. Like, it's like we asked him to at least write his name on the SAT to get the, what, what is it? You get 400 points for writing your name on the SAT and you didn't even write his name right. Dumping your expiring contracts at the deadline seems like the most layup thing a general manager has to do over the course of the season. 
Like it really doesn't seem difficult. Even the sh- even like shitty players on expiring contracts will sometimes get moved. JVR is we know because the Flyers traded two of them today. Right. <laughs> and they got one. JVR is good. Like, I really don't buy that this was just no one was interested. That doesn't make any sense to me. I think that Chuck kept saying no to offers over the course of this week when every team was doing stuff. Every team that he said no to went out and did something else. And then he was left holding the bag today, hoping that someone would come by and throw something at him. And the only thing that happened was Detroit saying, oh, well, maybe if we do another thing, we can take this guy off your hands. Like it never should have gotten to that place. And it's not, he can't just say, well, I tried and it just didn't happen. Nobody wanted him. Like, no, because you also told us, and I don't know if we talked about this because I joined late. You also told us that you just did Rob Blake a favor by taking Brendan Lemieux off his hands because he had to move him. And you were just we like, We touched okay. on that, and that's insane to me that you'd be doing a favor for another GM when you've exactly got shit to do yourself. You don't do, you don't do favors for GMs. No, it's a snapshot of what his negotiation style or capability is. He doesn't know how to negotiate. He's shit at it. And I'm very sure that if we know that, every single other NHL GM knows that as well. And they use that to their advantage. And this is where we end up. And this is where we ended up last year and last summer. Because they all know he's a fucking idiot and they can get over on him. So they don't even bother. Amen. It's just... That's 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 what has me the most annoyed with this entire situation. It's not the fact that the Flyers didn't get anything for JVR. Because like we were talking about earlier, they weren't going to get anything of like actual real significance for him anyway. It's the concept of it. It's... You like it's the fact that because he was unable to get something done, he it, it just shows that he's bad at negotiating and he doesn't know how to get the most for what he has available. Like, if and so many other GMs would have been able to trade JVR over the summer and sign Johnny Goudreau, but he was unable to, he was unable to trade JVR this time. And I mean. Again, they weren't going to get anything big in return, but at least get rid of the contract and just just get something for him. And now there's a good chance he, they're either going to re-sign him, which just makes me laugh, or he or he walks away in free agency, which if I'm oh, him, God. I would obviously do that. Um, and they lose him for nothing. And I, it, it's just a testament that he doesn't know how to negotiate it as, at all. And as a GM, that seems like something you should probably be good at. We, Kelly, we were talking earlier about um, Howie Roseman for the Eagles. He doesn't give a fuck about your feelings. He's not going to help you ever. He's out for blood, and he wants to end your whole career every time he makes a trade with someone. He wants to make you look so stupid. And Chuck Fletcher can't do that because he's on the other end of that in every trade that he's in. So... I'm gonna leave it. At, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna what? leave it at that. I actually have to dip, but God bless all of you. Uh, Thanks, Quickster. Thanks, Ryan. Don't get in the car. Don't go Flyers. No bad Flyers. Don't get in the car. Yes. If Chuck Fletcher was a hostage negotiator, everyone's so, dead. Everyone will be dead. So Ryan mentioned finding DDR. Like, if Chuck doesn't get fired in the next week or two, which honestly, I I don't think he's going to be fired because the entire front office is full of idiots. Um. 
he's absolutely going to re-sign JVR because if nothing else, he loves to double down on his fuck ups. Loves it. The double down is back in August. Yeah. KFC. I was going to. I was going to say it's really interesting. Uh, oh, go ahead, Kurt. Oh no, I was making a joke about how the as Steve did that the double down is now back and. Hinkle getting some KFC promotional uh, material into this podcast. Sorry, I did hear about that. I've never had a double down. I mean, it's basically chicken breast and cheese and bacon, which, you know, who can go wrong except for your oh, heart. That sounds, that sounds sound, good. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Sounds pretty- so I was going to say, it's, for me, I'm starting to wonder, like we've talked about how Chuck Fletcher can't negotiate. Isn't it interesting how he doesn't hold back when it comes to signing and re-signing the guys he already has? It's only the trays that he's like, like some, it almost seems like hesitant. I mean, it could just be that he's not hesitant. He's just really bad at it. That's possible that he's actually making bunches of phone calls and just nothing happens, but it almost seems like he's hesitant. Nothing ever happens with trades. He's always unable to make them happen, but like, oh man, when he has all the power to just like, you know, you know, sign off on something, he'll sign Rasmus for Salina and he'll, you know what I mean? Like he'll, it's like he has all the confidence in the world yeah. when it comes to the players he already has. Well, and, well, Risto was the only player he's really shown some real initiative and gone out. I guess Ellis too, but like Risto is the one guy he's like, I'm clearing space for this guy. Well, he did I'm resign. Him in. He resigned Delorier. Well, he signed. He signed him in the first. He wasn't he a fire. He, he signed Delorier. But like Risto's the one guy, like he cleared space. He did everything for Risto that he should have done for Johnny Gaudreau last year. Johnny Gaudreau, who basically had a giant neon sign saying, I would like to come home to Philadelphia. And he just ignored it. But with Risto, he cleared as much space as he could. He said, all right, bring him in, baby. Come on home to Chucky. And obviously we've seen how that's worked out. Not very well. It's bad. Any other, like, I don't know, Kelly, I know you joined a little later, Kurt, Joe, like any other things we want to talk about in in regards to just like this, because the moves today, there's not even anything worth discussing. I mean, Patrick Brown is a nothing burger, not even a guy I remember is on the team most of the time. And Lemieux for McEwen is not even a drop in the bucket. I mean, I will say one thing that I was wondering about, and obviously take it with a grain of salt, I mean, but is there a way to spin this in a positive way? Because I will oh say, like, like just vaguely, hold on, hold on. I, know where, I, I think I got where you Just like a week ago, we were talking about how it is mind-boggling that Chuck Fletcher made it to the trade deadline. And, like, we were really terrified of all the awful things he was going to do at the trade deadline. And so the fact that, like, nothing happened, like, could that maybe be a good thing? Like, again... You can't take that all the way, but like, could that maybe be a good? That sounds like an excellent article for a little website called BroadStreetHockey.com. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I guess in theory you could argue it's a good thing, but like, I don't know. I just wanted even the bare bone. Like, all I had to do today to make me not happy but to make me not mad would be to trade James Van Riemsdyk for a sixth round pick or higher. Okay. All I had to do to, to meet the bare minimum standards to write his name on the test. 
and he couldn't. No, I agree. I mean, obviously it's, it's insane that that didn't happen. I guess I'm just saying like, it could have been the case. I'm just, look, I'm trying to be happy here. I'm I'm trying to find a reason to smile. Trying to say, (laughs) I mean, like he might have, I mean, like, Who's oh, to put if it they had gone on the losing streak that they did, like if they didn't have a disastrous Northwest trip, I really think he might have deluded himself. But between that Northwest trip and just the smacking around they got from the Devils the other day, and I've never been so happy to see the Flyers get smacked around by the Devils, that made them all realize this team. And I can't believe it took that long. I will say I kind of missed most of the press conference. Um, I didn't catch that it was live until like the end of it. Do they say, uh, do we have any reports of any of all the teams that we were in discussions with? I know obviously Detroit was the big one at the end that didn't work out, but do we have like a list or anything that. I believe at one point he said he talked to every team. And then at another point said he talked to 17 teams. Didn't name. Yeah, diff- different things there. He said he talks to every team. I think yesterday he said he got two phone calls and made 17. Like, that's the other thing. Like, Chuck Fletcher really wanted us to know, like, man, people don't like, and I, I hate framing it this way, but like, Chuck Fletcher really wanted us to know, man, people did not want James Van Riemsdyk. And like, this is like in a cruel twist of fate, the second major trade or the second major, like, press conference at a major point in the NHL calendar where Chuck Fletcher has had to go in front of a microphone and say, man, people do not want James Van Riemsdyk, you guys. And again, sell your players. Like Mikhail Granlund right now is worse than JVR on a worse contract for a little less, but paid two more, but for two more years. And Ron Hextall gave up a second round pick to get him. Like, come on. Yeah. Tanner should know. The, the Lightning basically paid a fortune for him. Uh, I mean, and, and Tanner Janot was built what in he a is, lab what he is. to give hockey men yeah. wet dreams. So, like, I right. But what I'm saying is, like, yeah, but yes, there are right. ways to sell players. Right? There are guys yes. who can be charismatic. There are salesmen out there, and Chuck Fletcher ain't a salesman. I said it in the Slack mm-hmm. earlier. He couldn't sell a steak to a starving man. Yeah, yeah. So, like, he's yeah he. I don't, as far as teams that were in it, and I mean, yeah, he, um, I think only like half of that presser was uh, televised or put on Twitter or whatever. Yeah, just so another like, masterpiece done by the Flyers here. Just not even. Like, yeah. He said he only got the one offer, which was from Detroit at like, he said 140, and then it basically was pulled back at 230, which makes it weird that, that, um, it started getting reported that JVR is going to Detroit after 230. But, um, yeah, I mean, there were rumors throughout the day, like when when Winnipeg made some move, you saw a bunch of people saying they're now out on JVR. Like they're around the time interest in Detroit was being reported. I think people were saying Seattle was interested too. But according to Fletcher, and no, he could lie. It's part of the job. Um, according to Fletcher, he only got one offer. And I believe presumably that was from Detroit who had to move a player or something like that. But yeah, I, I there's again, he's going in front of the microphone and saying no one wants our guy. And yeah, it's tough. It's tough to sell a 33, you know, a 33 year old player who's making seven mil, but he's not bad. Worst players than him went got traded in the past week. Worst contracts than him got traded in the past week. Like, do something, man. Just do a thing. Just do a 
Just do anything. I, I would have taken the fifth. I don't give a shit. Like, just get something for him because he doesn't need to be on this hockey team that doesn't need to be winning games for the rest of the season. I love this Shakespearean quote yet where the market spoke and it wasn't to be. That's deep, bro. Oh, my God. What a disaster. Yeah, I hate this dude. You know what? I've, I've had enough of this dude. I've had enough of this dude. Pointing at, at George Washington. I always saw you guys pointing at George Washington. It was George Washington? Yes. Had enough of this dude. Me right now. I have a picture of Chuck Fletcher. That's the old, the old dartboard that you like put a, somebody's picture on and you throw darts in it. It's like, yeah, I got him good. Do we know Man. when the uh, I, next John Tortorella, the next saying. John Tortorella presser is going to be? I'd love to see his opinion. Presumably before Sunday's, before I think before or after Sunday's game. One would say. The crazy thing about sure. Torts is like it could go either way because you really never know what. To- yeah, Torts. Torts has made it clear he he's not trying to push the same message as the front office. Like, that's not to say that they disagree, that they, like, hate each other, but, like, he's going to say what he thinks is correct. He's not, like, taking talking points from Chuck Fletcher and Dave Scott. So, yeah, he'll just say whatever. And he'll say, like, yeah, you know, we're, we're, we're glad to have James here. So, I don't know. But, I don't know. You might not say that. Yeah. Who do I know? Well, he's also, he's also given up on the season. I mean, he made that clear, too. And so, the you know, I can't imagine he's going to, like, it's not like he had huge expectations, you know, for, you know, even if there was a, maybe a good deadline, it's not like he had massive expectations for how that was going to affect this season. So I, you know, I, I couldn't imagine him saying anything crazy either way, but he was absolutely sitting by his computer with like a bowl of popcorn, watching all of this happen. Um, wondering how Chuck was going to screw it up undoubtedly. So we get what, another month and a half or so of James Van Riemsdyk, Justin Braun, apparently Brendan Lemieux. I don't know how we're going to make it, guys. I really don't. He, he's going to bring his – Brendan Lemieux is going to – he and Tony are going to bring his podcast back. <laughs> oh, baby. Live from the how Flyers locker room. Get, uh, oh, how do we get Watch Your Tone on the uh, Broad Street Hockey Radio podcast network? That's my question. <laughs> you can go ask him. Go right up to the locker room. And yes, ask. You, you can tweet at NYR fan, whatever the fuck all the numbers are, and he'll, can, he'll, he'll get us in touch. Can we briefly just mention how funny it was that that account flat out said like, yeah, Brendan Lemieux, like just fist pumping on Twitter, like just saying the loud part or the quiet part loud. And that's just just a nobody. That person is executing like a very beautiful, like outstanding commitment to it. Honestly, it's it's pretty beautiful if that's not actually someone related to. Yeah. Like that is performance art at its finest. Unbelievable. Patrick wants to join. What's going on, Patrick? Howdy. How you guys doing? Oh, bud, we're doing terrific. Before you meet any anything, BSH lives. BSH lives and we are yes. we are doing well and uh we got we got big plans, let me tell you, big plans. But uh hell yeah, BSH BSH lives. Uh, God. 
I thought last year when we did this, Steve, it was going to be that was going to be the bad one. I didn't think this year would be worse. I mean, the one that we did over the summer, the free agency one, like you heard a broken man when I was on there. <laughs> that one broke me. This is just more like saying like, uh, you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> this is just uh, they got they got worse somehow. But, you know, it is what it is. I have to bounce in a second, but I'll always remember um, that one we did on free agency day where I think Ryan came in and told us that the Flyers had just re-signed Justin Braun and signed Nick Delorier, <laughs> and we all just lost oh, it. Was- just yeah. absolutely lost it. In- incredible content. Somehow it's gotten worse. Great moments in BSH podcasting history right there. And uh, Kurt, thanks so much for joining today, man. Incredible stuff. Um, cool. Go Birds. Tell Chunky I said hello. And go Phil's. You, you know had all summer to figure it out. Hi, Kurt. It's kind of better because I feel like now at this stage, we're all, sorry about the noise, it's my dryer. We're all just completely beaten down and dead inside. Um, Thanks to this team's antics. It's like, like after a while when you get dumped by a dude, like you're just like, ah, whatever. Fuck it. See you later, dude, because you don't give a shit anymore because you're dead inside. And that's us with the Flyers right now. We're dead inside. It's the best place to be. No feelings. Who wants them? Eat Arby's. <laughs> this is like the lowest part of like the distraught cocky I, I, we've experienced in a long time. Oh, it broke off, babe. <laughs> be- before I hopped on here, I, I was watching the Seinfeld where they're at the auto dealership and Kramer is test driving the car. And he wants to see how much, how far they can go on empty on the gas. And it breaks <laughs> off. The needle breaks off. That's where the distraught meter is. The needle has broken off. Precisely. Oh. So, like, he, he can't be in charge of the draft, <laughs> right? Like, because <laughs> like, now the fear is creeping into my head. Like, they're going to let him run the draft and try to make changes. They're never going to fire him. He's GM for life now. No, like I just I, I until they fire him, I don't believe they're going to fire him because he's done so many poor moves. He's been so bad that I am beyond the point of believing they're going to do the right thing. And basically, they have to prove me otherwise at this point. And he had the balls to bring up the injuries again. He brought up the goddamn injuries again. Which, like, makes me think that, you know, that's something that they talk about all the time there in his little room full of dorks. It's like, ah, well, you know, if we had been healthy, who knows what would have happened? And everyone just agrees, and then nobody gets fired. And it's like, how, how are we still doing this? Like, are they not on the, like, are they not on the internet right now? We're like, we're like the laughing stock of the entire league. Like, I've been on Twitter, and everybody's like, what are the Flyers doing? Like, what is their plan? Like that. Front I think of- Chuck Fletcher oh. has a pager. He probably does. He's got a, like a BlackBerry or something too. No, a hundred percent. He's got like a '90s pager. Like Paul Holmgren has to send them like a, a message on the pager. He goes, "Oh, is there a free agent available?" He's got the uh, the old school Nokia on a belt clip. <laughs> oh, Chuck Fletcher, a thousand percent has a belt clip cell phone. I mean, like, they gotta, like, find somebody else before the draft, because, like, 
He's like, ah, oh, we're we have the summer to do it because he said it at the press conference. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. There's no way they give him this leeway again, right? He's like, we have the draft, we have the summer to improve our team, make it better. But I'm like, I, yeah, I don't want you to be the one to do it, Chuck. No, I don't. It's insane that he even still has a job after today. It just seems like a basic, like you could be GM tomorrow and have gotten a deal for James Van Riemsdyk. I can almost guarantee it. One layup move he had to make. A layup with like, a stepladder that got him a foot and a half away from the basket. He had one thing that was just that, the easy, obvious move, and he couldn't do it. That was Gaudreau, too. Gaudreau. Like, he has to move yeah. with one or two contracts, and he has a guy who is basically begging to wear the flying P. Begging. And he just said, ah, oh, that seems hard. Wasn't yeah? Didn't Justin Braun want to go to a contender, and he ended up fumbling the bag on that too? Thing say this like a week ago. Yeah, like I would have literally bought Justin Braun a plane ticket and said, "Go somewhere." You know, we don't even need an asset for you. Future considerations. One time, Justin Braun <laughs> wants to get traded. We can't even give him that. Doesn't. And then, like, why are we? Why was he panicking to hang on to Nick Sealer? Like, I, I was like, oh my god, we for, I forgot about Nick Sealer today. And yet he didn't get traded either. But he remembered Patrick Brown. Oh, Patrick Brown. Wow. Claude Giroux seeing Patrick Brown coming like, I think I know you. I didn't know that guy. I think I know I that guy. Oh, isn't it great how Dorian, like said um, Claude Giroux came up to him and asked him to do something and he just followed suit. And he's like, all right, we're going to get you Jakob Chikrin. Like, oh my God. And, can't even do that here. Uh, I think it's just Jacob. Isn't he from Florida? I don't think he has a cool pronunciation. <laughs> it's the opposite of Jake Forcheck. I don't know. Jake Jacob, Jacob, Jacob. I don't know. I think it's just let's, let's call him Jackie Boy. Jackie Chicks. He's American as fuck. He's he's he is a real American. Fights for the rights of every man. Yeah. Actually, we have the most American players, Steve Jaco. The oh, two wow. best Americans. Wait, is Brendan Lemieux American or is he just an asshole? I don't even know. Why not both? Uh, true. Fair. There's no way to find out. I, could I Google some, it? Yes. Will I Google it? No. I've got some interesting uh, likes on his Twitter account. <laughs> I can't say anything about Brendan Lemieux. will be best friends now <laughs> with Tony. Oh, Dan my God. Listen, the They're locker room's never been more united. No. Um... <laughs> This is, these are all locker room moves, okay? Chuck's playing, he's beyond 4D chess. He's, he's, uh, he's playing a game you've never even heard of. Listen, just, just imagine. We tried. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Patrick. Okay. You're fine. Just, just imagine Lemieux walking into the locker room and, I'm pro, and uh, he goes up to Ivan Pro and he's like, I heard what you did on Pride Night. Good job, man. Way to keep true to yourself. Oh, my God. We tried building a team around Kevin Hayes' friends, and so now we're going to try building a team around Tony D'Angelo's friends. I'm sure it'll go really well. Tony and the gang. Tony Meatballs and the uh, Saranza Spaghetti. (laughs) Kelly, (laughs) the defamation league's coming after you any day now. Oh, no, we're going to have to get insurance if I keep calling him Tony Meatballs, aren't we? You absolutely are. You absolutely are. (laughs) 
Good Lord. I think Ryan Gilbert's going to be joining us soon, so that'll be good. But uh, what else? I mean, it's just very depressing. And were there any good moves today? I saw there were like a little bit, but I, I, Kelly, any any good moves you can think of off the top of your head today? Like league yeah, wise? league wise, because like I'm depressed talking about the Flyers. I need a break for at least a minute. No, I I feel like everyone got everything done over the course of this week, and then I think like today just seemed like stragglers for the most part. Like day. Yeah, there were so many the- good moves earlier yeah. in the week. There were so many good moves earlier in the week. It's like I don't even care about today. JVR was top of the TSN trade board because he was the one big name left that everyone knew was gonna be traded. And then he wasn't. Sorry. <laughs> Literally the top of the board. and Literally number one. I, you know, I was hoping for at least a little spice. And I know I'm sure TSN and ESPN, well, ESPN doesn't really give a shit about hockey, but they, they, they tried a little bit they, when they weren't talking about chicken parm. A lot of chicken parm talk today. Yeah, the TSN guys were pretty bored today. Mm. <laughs> they, they had to do so much filler. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the ESPN, it's like a tight two hours, and uh, they they almost had JVR news, but then Steve Eiserman's like, mm, no. I feel like for that trade, I feel like we were, we were going to have to take, like, because um, they traded Oscar Sundquist to somebody right after they nixed the JVR trade. I feel like we were supposed to, like, take him back or something. That was part of, I believe that was the corresponding move they needed. And, and then I think, like, I was like, watch Eiserman flip JVR somewhere else, and I feel like Chuck would have been like, no. If only there was a way to not do this stuff at the very last minute. I mean, he should have been watching the league make moves like three days out of the trade that Maybe he's going to stamp at like, no, I'll get something good today. Nope. <laughs> Showing up at the supermarket like right before the hurricane, like there's going to be some good stuff. It is great that like that took an excuse out of Chuck's, you know, arsenal. You know, when he got into the press conference, it's not like he could say like, ah, oh, you know, everything just happened so fast and we couldn't No, like all this stuff's been happening for a week and ab- like a week. Like, what were you doing the entire time? Like there was no, you know, th- th- this didn't need to happen at, you know, 259. It's I think that's absolutely hilarious. It's like Chuck Fletcher is running out of excuses by the minute. And I absolutely love to see it. I can't believe he has an excuse left in the book. He keeps coming up with bland ways to excuse himself for doing nothing. And it, it's honestly kind of stunning sometimes. That was awesome watching Charlie make him sweat a little bit and keep calling him by name. That made me feel so much Yeah, better. Charlie did some good work today. <laughs> but, like, you know, Charlie always does. Dave has to be seeing this and be like, maybe he isn't the guy. Like, the light bulb needs to click. Like... Him getting out of does, I, does Dave pay attention? Like, I don't this think is, so. I don't think Dave pays any I attention think, to the Flyers. I think he just thinks about. No, I think that Dave is Dave is one of these dudes. Dave is one of these boys. He's in the club with them. He doesn't want to fire his friends. These are his homies. Oh, he wants boo-hoo. to keep the band Bob together. Clark pays more attention to him. I just I feel so like Dave walks people. up and he's like, "Well, you know hockey." Dave wants to be one of the cool kids, and he thinks all of these old losers are the cool kids, and so he's never going to fire them. Someone has to fire Dave Scott, and then someone else who isn't related to any of this nonsense has to be installed as the person 
to fire all of these assholes. And then everyone can get mad again, like they did at Ron Hextall, not to relitigate. The one good thing Ron Hextall did, apparently, was kick all of the alumni out of the front office because none of them belong. Only good thing. Only good thing. He kicked them all out. And that's and the thing the everyone got they pissed couldn't figure off out a about. Maybe How can you not let thing. Bob Clark hang out in the locker room? Mm. <laughs> oh, no. Bob Clark's been playing hockey since it was invented. Bob Clark, Bill Barber, Homer. We've been saying it for like two years now. The old head's got to go. I like that now we have to figure out Bill Barber somehow being like the fucking Wizard of Oz. Because that asshole. (laughs) The man behind the curtain is Billy Barber. Yeah, like, no. Bill Barber's just hanging out with Dave Scott telling him what icing is. Like, he's not a puppet master pulling the strings. Everyone needs to calm the fuck down with the Bill Barber thing. Barber couldn't even be the Flyers coach for more than, like, a couple years. Yeah. Like, come on, folks. Come on, folks. Let's be real. have gotten fired, though, when he did. I'm going to die on that hill. That locker room mutiny that got Bill Barber fired was a problem for me at the time. Where's, can there be a locker room mutiny that gets Chuck Fletcher fired? Um, I feel like they've been trying, and it keeps landing on the coach. <laughs> I think Torch has been saying everything in the book to hint at, like, yeah, this GM doesn't know what he's doing. When he blatantly say, yeah, we're not going to make the playoffs. I just want these guys to play the right way for the rest of the year. It's like, come on. When your head coach is the one sending the apology letter to the season ticket holders and not the GM, I feel like something's. I still believe firmly that GMs should be able to be traded um, <laughs> just like players. Like it could be like a majority vote of like the team or something. I don't know. I just feel like that would be absolutely hilarious. If like you have all the players and all of a sudden one GM just gets absolutely screwed because he gets you know turned on. Oh God, that'd be so much more entertaining. Maybe. Sam, I got a hot box. Steve, thank you very much for doing this. You guys are the best. Kelly, thank you, all. thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Yeah, I'm about to have to head out too. Like- all right. Sounds good. Joe, thank you also for joining us. Great talking to you. And uh, yeah, we're, we're probably going to wrap up soon because I can't talk too much more about this team without being depressed. Yeah, it's been an hour, Steve. <laughs> it's been a long hour, let me tell you. A, a real long hour. I'm going to give a couple minutes to to Ryan Gilbert to see if he's going to jump on. And uh, if not, we'll get things wrapped up. But uh, if anybody else would like to speak, anybody wants to jump on and vent a little bit, yeah, please, please. Pick me <laughs> Patrick, get out. No, Patrick, <laughs> you're all I have right now. Come, you hang out. Oh, okay. But, you know, I want everybody to get their two cents in about Chucky two trades here. And what I mean, I don't know what else there is to say beyond he stinks, but man, I just hope somewhere within the next month, someone's, just like you know what he's got to go and we need to set up the next gym for the draft because i don't trust chuck fletcher running this draft at all no no not at all all right we got ryan gilbert now and joe d is jumping on so we got a couple people first we'll go to ryan how's it going ryan it's uh going better than it was an hour or two ago the rage has subsided here for a little bit but it's just it's just got into like what is going on with this team what is it going to take for Chuck Fletcher to be fired? Is it going to have to take new ownership? They're in salary cap hell. It's not even that they didn't even trade JVR. They didn't trade Braun. They didn't trade Nick Sealer. Like flipping for a seventh round pick, like they, like you did with Gustafson a few years ago. It's just it just continues to get worse and worse. And I don't know what to do with this hockey team. I think we have to blackmail Chuck Fletcher at this point. <laughs> I'm in. 
Yeah. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> Joe D, how are we doing today, man? Oh, just peachy. Um, I couldn't. St- I can't stay for very long, but I just wanted to come in and say, uh, "Holy fuck!" Like this is just. I'm stunned. I've never been so stunned by a lack of doing like a basic thing. And that's where I keep coming back to is like, he couldn't just get, a, I've never been so mad about not getting a fifth round pick. <laughs> a bag of pucks, you know, uh, anything. How is his, oh. how, how is his excuse that no one offered him anything? Like, does he not know he can go out and like call other GMs and be like, Hey, I have this, this JVR for sale. If you want to give me a fourth round pick, I'll take that. <laughs> You had you had all week. You saw teams being active, and you're just waiting till the last minute, like usual, and you get you get just left down. He, he did what I do in high or what I did in high school, which is like, oh, the papers do at midnight. Well, I best it's eleven thirty. I guess I better start. You know, it just it's it's it's, it's gotten to be just a, a bit too much with Chuck Fletcher and the, the excuses he makes in the press conference, like they're trying to get younger and. And him just just taking Brendan Lemieux for nothing, like they didn't like. Oh, yeah. you want to throw in a seventh round pick for that? No, just just we'll take Brendan Lemieux off your hands. I, I just I can't I can't imagine a world where he is drafting this summer. There's just no way. No, we we need someone to to come in and just be able to like tear it all down, either buy out Hayes or trade him with the retention, trade Ristolainen or Proveroff, and just you know, suck for a few years and then hopefully be good after that. But there, there's no hope right now. But that, that's all I want is just no. something to be hopeful or excited about. And it was cool for a bit when Konechny had his scoring streak, but now he's injured. And there's just keep adding assholes to the team. There's no one fun to watch. We're turning into the Edmonton to Oilers. Where do these rumors come from? Yeah, you're right. And where do these, like, okay, so if nobody's interested is it's just James Van Riemsdyk's agent out there saying like people want JVR? Well, let me tell you about it. And Kevin Hayes' agent, and I don't know. Like there has to be somebody who wants these hockey players. But Chuck, and he, how can he be comfortable with coming off just as so lazy and incompetent every day through these quotes? Like I, I would resign in shame if I was just coming off this lazy and incompetent in my very public job at all times. He's just coming out there and saying, oh, it's hard. Oh, you know, who's got the time? Just the worst. It sounded like he admitted it today, too. He's like, I didn't do the job. I didn't do it. So. Yeah, exactly. I was going to try to find that quote. That's exactly what he said, I think. It's like, oh, I I didn't do the job over the past few years. It's been difficult. Well, you know, if you're not doing the job and you're not doing a good job, Normally, your uh, your company, your boss would look to replace you, but for some reason, he's just locked in under uh, Dave Scott and yes, the Wizard of Oz, Bill Barber. Yeah, like you think about it, if he was put in front of ownership today and told, defend, like make your case, make your case. What have you seated at in the past three years that should allow you to continue holding this job? And not a single, there's not one success for him to point to. Maybe the Claude Giroux trade, but like still, the Claude Giroux trade does look better now in hindsight. I mean, when you look at what Kane got and how Tippett's kind of panned out a little bit now, but exactly, uh, yeah, it's 
someone in the comments said, you know, you need Kyle Dubas to be fired and bring him in. I would absolutely be all for that. Uh, I love, oh, please. I would love the Toronto first round exit content. And, please, uh, please give us Duba. Um, I would take anybody. Yeah. Anyway, anybody, anybody. <laughs> you, how long till Danny B is, isn't he in the front office for, for this reason? Wasn't he supposed to be groomed for, for this? Yeah. Again, yeah, uh, hopefully as we were talking about this earlier, I hope he's just taking notes on what not to do because this is a great, great lesson in that. Maybe JVR. He's still here. He could be the GM. <laughs> He's such a classy guy. You know, they like, like to keep those guys around. Such a classy guy. All right. Anyway, I, I got to go. Thanks for the mini event. Keep up. Keep doing the good work, fellas. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate you jumping on, man. Good talking to you. And we got Anarcho Hockey joining us. How's it going? Oh, I'm doing great. It's been a great day. Super exciting. All kinds of trades. I I just wanted to say that I saw a tweet that made me extremely happy it, like obviously this isn't true but somebody threw the idea there of you know when it was kind of going around that uh that chuck was talking to stevie y that stevie y was gonna trade take basically take you know like a fourth or a fifth for jvr and then immediately flip him somewhere else for like a third or a fourth or like whatever would have been you know one step above whatever chuck was taking for him and um i just love that image of just like the league just shutting that down like, I guess, like, the theory was, like, you know, uh, that, that they clearly, that everyone saw the writing on the wall that, like, Chuck was about to get just completely embarrassed by this terrible trade and then immediately, um, you know, have it be flipped. And I'm not really making much sense right now, but the concept was hilarious. Okay. And Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but I just, I, I love that image, and I'm kind of sad now that I, I think that didn't actually happen, but I don't know. I honestly, I would have been happy if literally anything of interest had happened and the two, like, most pathetic moves that, you know, you can't even, like, be bothered to think about happened. They were certainly trades that happened. I mean, I honestly, like, I haven't, I haven't watched the team this year, obviously. Like, I, like, God forbid I did that, but I kind of forgot that. These guys were, you know, still still playing. <laughs> I forgot that these guys still played for the team. So, I mean, I, I don't know. Um, I did think it was funny. I don't know if you guys touched on it, but again, like, uh, it sounded like Chuck really wanted to address Charlie's question about, um, you know, general, I guess, like job security and stuff like that. Um, but he kind of kept going back to it in that press conference, and he was saying something about. You know, obviously he was like, we need to get high-end talent. Like, I've obviously failed to do that, whatever. Um, and then, like, yet again, like, doesn't actually outline a plan as to how he intends to acquire high-end talent. And there is no plan. That's it. There's no plan. That's, I think, my point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like... it's, it's wild to me, the trend. Like, I, I don't – I can't fathom how they can see him out there flailing like this and think this is a man doing a good, competent job as general manager of the Flyers. I, I just, I can't imagine they don't know he sucks. I mean, like, just, like, open up, like, I don't know, like, TSN or something. I'm sure they're making fun of him out there. Like, it's like, you know, like, after after Johnny Gaudreau didn't sign, or after they didn't send him an offer, um, they were, what was it, like, on ESPN or whatever, where they were just basically, like, just, like, openly like dunking on Chuck Fletcher 
it's like, how do you, how do you not like, as the owner of that, of this organization, like, how do you not look at that and just be like, I don't know. Like, I would just be like, if that, if that's where my money was going and then they're making fun of the dudes that I hire just like openly on television, like it, the, it extends beyond Twitter. <laughs> like the organization is a laughing stock in a way it's never been in the past. Like people would make fun of the flyers for being, you know, the broad street bullies and goons and everything, but it was never, it was never a franchise that you could just laugh at their sheer incompetence. You know, they were always interesting, always trying things. And they tried a lot of things that didn't work, but they tried things. And now they're a laughing stock for their sheer incompetence. I mean, you just can't look at this franchise and think this is going. They're, I mean, they're making Peter Shirelli look like a good general manager in Edmonton. Like, that to I me is Peter like what Shirelli I think. over Chuck right now. I would too. That's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Which is it's sad. Terrible. I would uh, take almost, he's got to be the worst GM in the league. Like, and yeah, I can't, I can't think of one that would have been, that would be worse. I mean, at least yeah, Shirelli I mean, had. We were talking earlier. We were talking earlier about like when was the last time you had any semblance of thinking he could do a decent job, and really it hasn't been since that Ryan Ellis trade. That was really the only time where it's like, oh, maybe he did something good, but then he immediately followed up with the Ghost and Risto trades, and it's just been downhill ever since. Yeah, I've, I I I was I was listening to that part of the conversation. I couldn't I couldn't speak during that point, but um. I was listening to that, and I think I agree that the Ryan Ellis thing was the last day I felt actually good about. You know, it and it didn't last long because it immediately, like three days later, turned into Ghost and Risto. So, anyway, I I have yeah. to go now. Um, but well, thanks uh, for joining us. Always a pleasure. Thanks talk. for thanks for letting me yell into the the sky. I guess I don't know. But I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> it's good to talk it out. Oh yes. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you. Anybody else would like to jump on, please feel free to jump in. Oh, we got Idiot Sandwich, which is a fantastic name. So let's go add Idiot Sandwich, which is a – is that a Gordon Ramsay reference there? Yeah. Is Chuck Fletcher? Yeah, yeah. Or is like Chuck Fletcher joining First us? Time, long time. <laughs> what are you, an Idiot Sandwich? <laughs> Precisely, uh, which, which maybe makes me sound smart compared to Chuck. Um, no, I think that the – so I work in PR and I've done so for a while. So the, the interesting takeaway for me is like, how they always try to message or handle this kind of stuff through media. And particularly what was interesting today was how they, uh, the contempt he's, st- he's starting to like uh, exude toward Charlie and his line of questioning. And usually when you get to that point, when it's like contempt followed by say acquiescing, I'm like, Oh yeah, you know, I haven't gotten the job done. Usually is like the last uh, dying vestiges of somebody thinking that they have a job still. So it's like the last part of a crisis comms thing is you start to admit where you uh, effed up. So I think we're kind of getting to that point with him where he sees the writing on the wall. But uh, again, I think that the main thing is no creativity when it comes to execution. And then you combine create lack of creativity and poor value assessment on every asset that he's acquired or had the opportunity to deal. And you get a wonderful Chuck Flood. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. And you're right about the contempt. Like he is really, I I wouldn't even be able to continue doing my job daily. If he's, if I was issuing the quotes he's issuing. Yeah. And to be honest, it would be pretty brutal to be the PR person in that, uh, in that room. (laughs) It's cause like, I can't even, I can't even fathom being the full, anybody. It's brutal because like, 
you have no ability to influence the decision making, which is what people want. Like the fan base wants action towards something in a plan. Uh, and the hard part is that usually you say, okay, well, we can stand behind a plan and create a messaging like framework of how we're going to bring this forward. But they've changed that so many times. And so it's kind of like they keep trying to lay planks ahead of them of like where they can walk and then they're taken away. So absolutely brutal. So I feel for my, my colleagues on that side who are having to eat that shit. Yeah. I mean, it feels like their PR just has to eat shit on a daily basis on the decisions that the club makes. They've made a lot of PR disaster choices in the past calendar year and past six months, really. And yeah. And like it's hockey ops ignoring their responsibility to the business side of it, which is to say, like, you know, that's usually a sign of a pretty fractured organization. Like if you see that outside of sports, just in any corporation, like if parts of the business aren't speaking to the other half. And then that's not getting down to comms or whoever is actually at the forefront of managing this stuff. That's shows a lot of uh, again broken infrastructure inside, which is how you have this kind of train wreck, at least from my view. Yeah, and I would totally understand that if this was an Ed Snyder-run organization, right? And Ed Snyder is valuing the hockey side over the Comcast side because Ed Snyder. Why would Ed Snyder give a shit about the Comcast side? He's a hockey guy, but. Dave Scott is a guy who came from Comcast. So why wouldn't he want that marriage going? Why would he want that, that fracture between the two? Because he's got to think about the business side a lot more than it's nice. Yeah. And that's also, it's like, you can lean into the hockey side if you actually have a good product, right? Like people will put up with a lot of shit. If your product is actually good, you know, if you're actually bringing something, it's why the NFL is still able to be successful all the time. It's because like the NFL product is still strong, despite plenty of PR crises with them all the time. There's like, when you don't have that to go on, then you really need to lean into the business side because that's where you can generate goodwill and like give your fan base something to hold them over to and like some hope for the good times. And they've got none of that. And the likable parts of the locker room are disappearing. And then you're pretty much just left with like, what are we going to talk about this week? And then it pretty much comes back to gritty, but then, you know, that has gotten played out at this point. So for sure, it's a lose-lose situation. You're right about that. And it's also like, how many marketable players do they have left at this point? Like Van Riemsdyk to an extent, but again, if they re-sign Van Riemsdyk, they're more diluted than we even thought they were. And on top of that, like Scott Lawton's like a, a pretty good, like sellable player, but he's not a superstar. He's not even a star by any means. He's a pretty like decent yeah, like he's not a guy who's going to put like butts in seats. Uh, and when they talk about high-end talent, like that's what the business side wants too. Then you go market that, but then no plan to get it. Uh, you're just kind of stuck in neutral, which is again, like- this You're stuck in neutral. Like, You've got Travis yeah, Konechny. Yeah, like reminds me of the Sixers when, you know, they had the Evan Turners and Andre Millers, and then that's what prevented them from having a better lottery chances mm-hmm. at, in the Kevin Durant lottery. You know, it's like, that's the kind of movement you have where you miss out on- Massive superstars. Again, every every prospect to some extent is uh, can be a crapshoot or things can happen. No one Patrick aside. Yeah. And, but it's like, you know, you have to give yourself chances for that. And without a plan to give yourself those chances, uh, you're pretty much just like said, stuck in neutral. Right. Because think about how many shots like the, the process Sixers had to go through to get Joel and Bede. Like they still had to get Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz and uh Who's it? Mark Michael Carter Williams, I think it was. Yeah, they, they went through a lot of different real players. Okafor. It's like you have to. Oh, Okafor! God, 
there's like a reality to these situations where if you want to like you have to optimize for more opportunities and chances to hit and like and that's take bigger risks which bigger risks lead to bigger rewards it's like the bucks got everything looks like a steal for Giannis Antetokounmpo in the you know whatever pick 16 they took a lot of risk taking him on but that's what a franchise had to do at that point it's like it's nice when you can take more chances even what they did last year with Cutter Gauthier I'm like it's fine you know you take the risk on the guy and that seems to be the right move and it seems to be like moving in the right direction but you want more chances then you can take more risks without it being like if this doesn't succeed we're now back five years or hoping you know that maybe something works out it's like hope's not a strategy when it comes to building like a winning organization that's well put hope is not a strategy and you're, you're right about that and I, I would like if they took more risks like even looking back like i'm very happy with cam york right now i think he's he's turning out to be a pretty good player but he wasn't the risky pick there the risky pick is cole caulfield like that's not at all that's the pick to like, like put you over the top and you know not to open that wound but i mean that was he was there for the taking and chuck fletcher didn't yeah. And I tend to think I'm like, if you look at the asset management of it and you say, well, what if the picks that didn't go to Risto and then also the picks to move out Goss Despair for, you know, to essentially acquire a worse version of Goss Despair and TDA last summer for more picks. It's like, those are all chances where you can either move up to take the guy that you really believe in as an organization or like, you know, that's three or four more swings at a minimum in the top 50 picks of the draft. Like those are valuable pieces that they decided to take a swing on overhauling Risto who had proven to that point that regardless of his usage numbers, you know, you look at any model and nothing is favorable from the guy. So. No, no, not at all. And uh, it's, it makes you wonder what they're thinking, but, you know, going back to the, the PR angle and also you're talking about like the process Sixers, like Travis connecting is like, he's basically Thad Young or he's Drew Holiday where he's, he's a, a great piece on a more talented team. Like if you put Travis Konechny on the Oilers or the Leafs or the Canes or somebody, he's crushing it and he doesn't have the expectation he has here. Whereas, and he's probably going to win a championship with those teams, but if he's the main guy in Philadelphia, you're not going anywhere. He's not, he's not that kind of player. Yeah. And it's also, it's easier as an organization when they're trying to balance their, you know, roster in terms of the cap spend, it's much easier to go to a guy like TK and say, look, you're the fifth best player here. We want you here. Can you take 90% of the contract value you might get as opposed to having to pay him 110 to 115% of his market value to get him to stay and be that, you know, that premium player for you who should be in that more middle tier. Nothing against TK the player. It's just the reality of like, it's easier to sell that contract discussion to the player when you give him a chance to win. Just like most of these guys want to do that you look at the Bruins right now that's like you know the best team through 61 games in NHL history and you're like well uh how'd they get there it's guys like Patrice Bergeron taking six you know six something for a long time and then now being on like two or 2.5 this year is like yeah I think it's yeah. 2.5 which I, I I was just talking about yesterday it's like it, it is crazy to me that they have them on that deal but they they had such a system in place and they had a pitch to him saying, Hey, we're going to make one big push at it. We need a lesser deal if you're coming back to, so we have more cap. 
Yeah, and look, you don't get Drew on that contract right now at this stage, given he's he's still able to go and make whatever it is, like a little over six, six to seven with Ottawa for three years. Yeah. But like you don't get him on that now. But if you had built up a pipeline of young talent and you set yourself up to be more like an Ottawa, like Ottawa going into last off season wasn't like such a sure bet. And of course, like they're still developing, but he saw the potential there. Essentially what they did is they didn't have anything set up for like a succession plan for him, that he can take that 6 million a year for three years. And then it's, if Ottawa in three years is like on the cusp or is really has made a few deep runs, you don't think a guy like Claude Drew is going to take like two, two and a half million to like stick around and be a utility piece known for a cup. Like guys like that take that when they see something and they're part of like developing it and you're like, now's my time just to go after the win. And it's the same thing that we're not going to be able to acquire here. Uh, in the long run, I don't think. Just when the organization... Ottawa is all of a sudden a team that feels like it's building towards something, and it it all of a sudden looks like a destination for people, whereas, like, even a year and a half ago, even a year ago, it just seemed like a desolate wasteland (laughs) to your hockey career. Yeah. Yeah, and you think of the... um, When they had the the pick, which they lost the lottery and becomes four, right? And then they... Everybody was saying, like, Brady Kachuk is not the guy, not the guy they really believed in the player and he's turned out to be an excellent player for them. And then they go for Tim Stutzla, who again, like had a bit of a mixed bag in his prospect here. People loved him, but like, it wasn't, you know, again, you take some risk with all these guys. It's like they set that up and then those are the two impact players who can draw on somebody like Drew. So it's like, you know, you have to have to give yourself some chances for it. And Ottawa did that by good asset management when they had an opportunity to sell guys on their, on their ass, on the, on the roster from that cup run or the Eastern conference finals run when they were able to sell those guys off. Yeah. And then you get a lottery ticket with pick four uh, and it turns into one of your star players. Then you convince uh, Claude Giroux to, I'm, I'm going to use come home in quotes here that you can't yeah. say, but like, it is basically like he went there for a reason. He went, what is essentially his hometown yeah. team there. And even though Hearst isn't really nearby as they say it is, but regardless, like, it's where he wanted to go and it's working out great for him. And I'm, I'm happy for him, but it's very, one of those things that makes you very sad as a Flyers fan. Now, since you get the PR background, uh, you know, this is a, a good opportunity to get a different perspective here. Let's say Chuck Fletcher is fired tomorrow. Our dreams come true and Chuck Fletcher is fired tomorrow. And yeah. <laughs> you're, you're on the PR side of the house, right? And the Flyers are going to work more with you yeah. moving forward. And they ask for your input as to like, who are the players that we can kind of build around from a PR perspective? Who are you thinking about? Who are the guys that you can like really use as a building block? Yeah. I mean, really it's like, I, I, like we said earlier, Scott Lawton, if he's shaping up to be your captain to bridge you to, if you get a superstar player down the line, like Scott Lawton, also what he does for the, like in and around the community, I think is the one like lone bright spot that's consistent. I think I'd want to get Travis Sanheim out there a lot more, given that you have the contract locked up so long-term with him. So it's either, it doesn't look bad if you're getting him out there and then that maybe even helps your ability to move him. But at the same point, it's like, he's somebody who you know is going to be around for a long time. Uh, Seems to be really well-liked in the locker room. So uh, I think I'd want to leverage him out there more. And then ideally you get some good news on Sean Couturier that you can start rolling out this summer and hope that, you know, you, whatever pick you have in this draft, whatever prospects and potential, excuse me, prospects and potential you have going, that you're starting to sell for the future. But Sean Couturier is somebody that so much of the fan base, especially in the online fan base, like 
wants and needs to come back strong, uh, given that he's long been like the Flyers Twitter darling player, even when like people rip him down or weren't happy with his production. He finally got to that point and then decided to set backs. But those are guys who you have locked up long term. So you really want to start there. So at least like you have some form of consistency. And then it's all about the young players. Like somebody like Cam York, who I think really does a, an incredible job like with his media appearances and like owning his development from the media side of things, which is even though hockey players are always well coached on the media side from a young age, especially prospects of his like caliber. But uh, there's like being coached and there's doing it in a way that comes across as effortless. And he's really strong. So I'd be looking at like, who are your future leaders? And I think give people some hope for the long term. That's great. I, I love that, that different perspective on that. Uh, just as far as like the guys that they actually, you know, could look towards because there's, there's some problem areas on this team for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and especially like with, with a lot of the more recent additions, whether it's Lemieux or TDA, it's like, there's plenty of character questions that are that are starting to come up around these guys. And it's like, I know that they've tried to do a bit of redemption work on that, regardless of where you stand on them as individuals or, uh, or their viewpoints, but there's a clear part of the fan base that really is not happy with that. So you have to really lean into it and not just, I think just lead with more action than words, which is rare to hear from a PR person who's usually always like tasked with the word side of things. But at this point, every, anything you do say is going to ring hollow until people start seeing something uh, positive and like progress toward something that gives you at least a little bit of hope. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. Like I, I was saying that with TDA when they first acquired him was, you know, they keep saying that he's he's turned a corner, he's a more mature player. That's all in the past. But I, I want to see actions because that's a guy. I mean, he's got one more year in his deal. They didn't trade him. They're probably not going to trade him this summer. And they keep touting him as like, a, or touting him as a, a hometown guy and all that. And obviously we know his character issues. We know his past issues, but if they are, I don't want them to do this, but if they are going to commit to a guy like that, I feel like they really need to have him doing actions in the community, much like Scott Lawton does to, to, you know, if you're going to say he turned a corner, he needs to show us he's turned a corner. Yeah, absolutely. I think like that's where, um, I think the lone bright PR spot, consistent bright PR spot for them this year has been Tortorella's work with like animal rescue and dog welfare and health and like getting dogs in good homes. And it's been like the one consistent PR win that they've had. And it's because he actually cares about this. And then he also has the action to back it up with what him and his wife do with these charities. So I'm like, you have people in this locker room, no doubt. Like you have the Scott Lums and JVRs who have really gone out of their way to be culture and tone setters. It's like, don't let them get overshadowed by, again, like the Pro-V decision from Pride Night. It's just like a microcosm of how they handle these situations where if Hockey Ops is more transparent with, from what we understand of the situation, it's like if Hockey Ops is more transparent with the business side, you can at least calibrate for this so it doesn't look so bad for the organization plus also like overshadows the really good things that those guys did and i think a lot of that just comes down to the the organization not knowing and not having any leadership within it that says like here's what we're going to do and here's our viewpoint and guidance it's very much it seems like warring factions between wanting to lead and like inspire a younger fan base like that say under 40 fan base and then there's let's just appease the yeah you know the uh, broad street bullies and try to go that way 
with that side of the house and that like part which I seems to speak carry more weight with the actions of the organization judging by their moves both on like the hockey side as well as roster construction seems to be more that way that under 40 fan base is a tough one to bring in right now because i'm i'm right around 40 myself Mm -hmm. so i'm basically in that 40 fan base and i'm really just clinging like i was talking with somebody on twitter earlier it might have been denny uh talking about just like because we're a little bit older, we're like pretty much clinging to our memories from the nineties and the early two thousands, as far as our nostalgia for this team. And it's really interesting to talk every week with Ryan quickly, because he's been a guy who's only been rooting for the flyers, been following the flyers for like a decade at this point. So he's only known this mediocre slog. And I, I don't think I'd be rooting for the flyers. I don't think I'd be watching the flyers if I've only seen them in the current iteration. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm like, I'm a, like born into this with my grandfather had had season tickets for you know since the early 80s so growing up going to games all the time and like getting to see so many great teams but really that be like so uh yeah just like so many emotional memories tied up with that and i think that's what's the most frustrating thing right now is that the organization has completely lost like its way and then is uh is just straying further from it and then, then it gets to that point, like, yeah, I, I almost envy Ryan in this situation because for as many of those good memories as I have, I'd be less like bolted down to this franchise that does not want to evolve or improve in any way. It just wants to like hope that hockey will go back to the 70s, 80s uh, and, you know, devolve into a different game, which it's not going to. So that's, that's the really like disheartening part. I said today, I was like, what team should I just start rooting for who is like, actually going to tank the right way and then i'm like it's really hard to that's just more again talk than action for me because it'd be almost impossible to properly quit on this team <laughs> yeah for sure i i, I can't I, again we're just sticking to these old memories yeah. here and th- th- that's also the problem with the front office is dave scott's surrounded by the bullies he's surrounded by bob clark bill barber paul holmgren just old school guys with old school notions and that's just it's just a never-ending cycle of just pain at this point but that getting under 40 crowd interested in this game and continuing that tradition of of flyers games because i don't know i don't know how a lot of people are going to continue being interested in the product that they're throwing out there on a night yeah, especially when you have the other three major franchises and then you add the union too and their success is like, you're not in a town that's hurting for just something to do. Uh, you have other teams in the city that are all, you know, either at a peak or at like a decade, you know, at least the peak of a decade for them. And, you know, you, you don't have people that are just dying to show up somewhere and have an excuse to like drink some beers and like show up just for like a dollar dog night, you know, it's like, you're you don't have a natural draw or push for people to want to come so it's yeah it's disappointing really um we'll see uh i think that the final note i'll leave on is like a pr move is like if they go forward with danny briere's replacement it's going to be interesting what i'll be watching is really the timing of announcements and if they initiate a gm search like a public one but then still go to danny danny b or if they go to Danny B right away, that's going to be fascinating to follow. Because on one hand, you could make the argument, like, if you're already sold on the guy, let's just do it and let's be really confident and give the fan base a lot of hope that we have a guy in-house, we already have the solution to all the problems, 
you know, he's been trained up on the job. The other side of it is going, well, he's been learning in this organization that's been falling apart. Um, and perhaps we should do a real test because whoever's giving him that job, we also don't feel very confident in. So that's uh, going to be something to watch. But all that starts with Fire Fletcher. Hopefully, hopefully so. <laughs> Keep our fingers crossed, but don't hold your breath. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this is fun. I appreciate I appreciate you guys hosting the spaces. And uh, yeah, just fun. Yeah, thank you so much for jumping on. Great talking to you. And uh, yeah, we'll try to do, well, we'll see when we have another good opportunity to do one of these, but we'll, uh, we'll try to have another one relatively soon. Oh, we got a couple people in the queue all of a sudden. That's nice. All right. Well, thanks to Idiot Sandwich for joining. We're going to add Andrew first, and then uh, we got Jimothy Swagger after that. Andrew, what's going on? Hey, Steve. Long time, first time. Uh, and sorry if I was blowing up with the request. I couldn't tell if it was going through. No, 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 that's okay. I just, uh, it's always like, I don't know. It's like, I don't know if it's tricky to get the, I don't think you blew them up. So you're fine. You're fine. I, I had to set permissions. It was, it was a disaster, much like flight, but, um, yeah. And sorry, I missed the first hour of this. So just, just cut me off if I'm covering a perspective you guys already talked about, but Fletcher's comments on the JVR no trade were just infuriating. He said he didn't have any offers. No one called me until 1.30. Chuck, you are a seller. You are selling. You're a salesman. You should have traded him a week and a half ago. You should use that $3 million in cap space after you retain to go out what Minnesota did and you know retain a couple more, get another fifth, another sixth, maybe a fourth. Like To say that, oh, nobody called me. Like Do you not know how to dial out of the building? <laughs> he said he made 17 calls they actually uh jason just posted that in the broad street hockey slack it, chuck claims he made 17 calls like okay but how many calls did you make this entire week like do you do you know how phones work do you know that people are busy sometimes I, oh my well 15 of the calls were to the cleaner like one time i called angelo's to go get food and i had to call about 45 times and i said <laughs> And it was a better use than whatever. Oh, just unbelievable. I, and if this isn't the, if he isn't fired this week, he's going to be the GM for the next 15 years. Oh, I know. That's, that's what's getting me is, and maybe the source of most of my hopelessness right now is I don't see any silver lining. Like I, in the past, and I don't want to harp on the like things would have been better under Ed Snyder, but Ed Snyder would have come out and said, this guy's ass is on the fire right now. Like this guy is in trouble and there's nobody to Dave Scott's never going to do that. Whoever just took over Comcast CEO. I don't imagine he's going to do that. They really need somebody to come out and say, your job is on the line. You need to do something for Yeah, but like you said, there's nobody in a position to do that. So it's going to be another decade of fun. Another decade of fun, please. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Andrew. Appreciate it. <laughs> See you another time. All right, have a good night. I, I like this comment from Brian here. He said 15 of those calls were to Domino's. It's good. It's the, you know, the Domino's pizza tracker is the way to go, Chuck. You should know that. We got Jimothy Swagger joining us. How's it going, Jimothy? Good, Steve. Thanks for letting me on. Uh, first time caller, long time listener, uh, aka Dirty Mike yelling the boys over here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> always, always get a. So, 
Um, as being one of the guys that is in the under 40 class of this fandom here, um, kind of just trying to debate if we get creative or not. Um, have we ever seen a co-GM and head coach at the same time where we could do something with a Danny Briere and Torts kind of chaotic move? I mean, I would love to see it. I would love to see literally anybody but Chuck Fletcher in there. Even with the old school guys in there, like influencing decisions. Listen, they don't know how to work locks on doors. You can lock them out of rooms, right? Ryan, you know this, right? They can lock people out of rooms, right? (laughs) But like... This was actually a galaxy brain idea I had. Like with with Tortorella writing that letter and whatnot, like are they going to have him? Does he have more control behind the scenes than, than we think? Is that why they're not moving these people that that he wants to stick around as veteran presences? Are I mean, if they trade Hayes in the offseason, that, that makes a lot of sense. Torts signed up here last summer knowing what this team is. I mean, I don't love him as a coach, but he's a smart guy. He he can look at the roster. He can look at the cap situation and be like, okay, I'm signing up here for the long haul. Maybe they promised him something like, okay, you'll have some sort of hand in, um, in GM decisions. I don't know if they'll come out and exactly say that i don't know if you know i don't know if we'll take the barry trotts route but that would definitely be interesting if if you have a uh, a team built primarily by john tortorella and get just all these these grinded out guys throughout the throughout your top six that's actually the most fascinating thing in all of this right now because there isn't a lot of fascinating things going on with the flyers but the torts of it all right the fact that torts is the guy issuing the apologies to the season ticket holders uh the fact that like when the kevin hayes buyout news was big news a few months ago that was because torts didn't like him and i thought it was insane to think about buying out a guy based on what a flyers coach thinks because flyers coaches last about as long as they last less term than us presidents, right? Like flyers coaches are usually like two years and out. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. They gave him a four year contract. Like maybe he's just like, okay, they'll fire me after two years and I'll be able to, to collect my paycheck. But yeah, this, this team has to, has to do something in the front office. And, you know, from the, that was a great conversation with the uh, PR guy, idiot sandwich. And from a PR perspective, they know that Tortorella is who the fans resonate with the most right now. So maybe if they come out and say something like, Hey, you know, Tortorella is going to have some sort of impact on the roster moving forward. We don't like where we're at right now. So we want to have his, his uh, influence and his opinion with building the roster. Obviously fans would not be too sold on that. I don't think I'd like it too much, but it would be something different. And, And that is the main thing we want here is, is we want something different ever since that Ryan Ellis trade, that shred of hope back in uh, almost two years ago now. It's just been a complete downhill roller coaster. A few ups here, but mostly downs. It just keeps going downhill. And Chuck Fletcher is admitting that he's not doing a good job. So I don't I don't know how much longer he, he can possibly have here. It would, even if Dave Scott knows nothing about hockey, you know that this guy is admitting he's doing a horrible job. You have half the league, a third of the league, actually rebuilding. They have advanced this season, and they're moving players. And the Flyers are, are one of a few teams, if not the only team, that really didn't sell this. I mean, what did they get? A, a fifth and a sixth round pick? I think everyone else in the bottom half of the league got at least that, if not a first or second round pick. So the Flyers, they traded their their future picks already for Ristolainen and, and to get rid of Ghost and to trade for uh, Tony D'Angelo. And, and go back to what you say about them being a laughingstock. They're a laughingstock on the ice, and they're even more of a laughingstock off the ice, just everyone making fun of them for the Lemieux thing, and then JVR trade falling through. It's just 
there's nothing to be happy about if you're a Philadelphia hockey fan right now. Maybe, you know, look at the AHL, look at the Flyers AHL affiliate down there, the Lehigh Valley fan, or look at, look at Cutter up there in Boston. But I, I like that you called them Flyers AHL affiliate here. <laughs> Hashtag Flyers AHL affiliate, yeah. <laughs> Don't and, <laughs> and yeah, from the also their uh, wallpaper Wednesday, I think out of this week or the past week was the Phantom. So they have no idea who they can even promote right now. It, it's Konechny, but he's hurt. And then after that, you know, maybe Carter Hart if he turns out to uh, not have anything, any legal issues going on. But that's still, you know, you don't want to speculate. That's still up in the air. You don't want to speculate, but yeah, yeah. that's, I mean, that's a, that, you know, it's a sword dangling over everybody's head. Uh, Kevin Hayes, maybe Kevin Hayes, but he's not the coach's favorite, you know, yeah, like exactly. You, you can't like have torts scratching your, your the face of your friend. I, I mean, it has to be Lawton. I, I wrote earlier this week that they should definitely trade him because you could definitely get a, a good return for him. But yeah, Lawton has to be the guy. He'll probably be the next captain. And then I, I could see them bringing JVR back on cheap deal, which would absolutely be infuriating, but he's, he's, <laughs> he's oh, one of good. the guys with lot. And that's like doing stuff in the community and fans can connect with. So he might be able to take willing to take one of those team friendly deals, but God, God forbid. God forbid. And like attendance has taken a hit this year, but it's still not, I want it lower guys. Stop going to games. Let me tell oh, you like that, that, that video that came out from the Rangers game, I'm sure Comcast loved that because it meant, you know, there were actually fans there at the game. You know, rival fans taking it over. They don't care. That's they, true. they bought tickets. They bought beers. They bought food. Plenty of uh, revenue right there. That's true. So, so they're about 17,373. I mean, this is a club we're used to nightly sellouts with, but it can go lower, bud. Like, they're still above the Predators, the Kraken, Chicago, the Kings, the Islanders. Like, they're deaf. They got a tank both both ways. They got a tank in attendance and in. Yeah, I mean, tanking would, would be the the primary goal here, but uh, it's it, they're not. It's not what they're doing. Hopefully, they can they can. I mean, their their March March schedule is definitely uh, pretty tough. So hopefully, they don't pick up too many loser points. But that's not um, too promising given how they've performed so far this season. But yeah, you got to hope the lottery hits for them, and then maybe the uh, the Panthers miss the playoffs and get up. I think that picks top ten protected. So maybe if they get pick ten or eleven or twelve there, maybe you could package them for something, or you know, get get two get two lottery tickets in a, in a pretty deep draft from what the uh, analysts say. Would be nice. It would be nice to do anything, but we got Chuck Fletcher in charge here. <laughs> now, um, now, Jim. I mean, that, that's where I'm kind of at regarding the GM. Like, any other uh, questions you had right now? I mean. Player personnel-wise, there's really nothing that you can do with Nick Delorier playing the Rangers. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> what a pickup that guy is. Oh, it's absolutely four years. Absolute value steal to us. I mean, seriously, I'm I'm baffled that Chuck pulled out of that. Um, I mean, player personnel-wise, I mean, do we do we need a change in the defensive coaching? I mean, the thing that I noticed because I was at the first Rangers game at Wells Fargo because uh, we were back at home. I live in San Diego now, and we came back for Christmas and watched the second game. Um, the only reason we went was because they were free. <laughs> but um, oh, Back in the area. I'll allow that. <laughs> like, like, I'm the judge. <laughs> Get my gavel out. I'm the judge. Go to games and not. Obviously, you're, you're a grown-ass person. Go to the games. But if you're... But my, my big thing is is just watching the the defensive side of the puck and especially on special teams. Like something's gotta give when somebody when another team is shorthanded and they have more possession time 
but then when we have the advantage. And the other thing too is is that when we start getting into our own zone, we look more like we're comfortable in each other. Lack of a better term here, pardon my French, we give a shit apart. Um, hey, no, no children allowed on this program, so that's that's fine by me. <laughs> um, we look like we're caught between a shit and a fart between uh, clogging passing lanes and actually going after the puck. Like, what, what kind of mentality should we be looking for? Should we be trying to get in, trying to force the puck and try to play a little bit more on demand? Or should we be trying to play more of a passing style and trying to clog the lanes? Because, I mean, watching Provorov this past year has been nothing short of literally a, a turnstile. And seeing the entire defense kind of fold like a lawn chair has just been infuriating. But I don't know if it's a change in mentality or just a change in personnel that we need to do. I mean, probably both. But I wanted to hear what your guys' thoughts were on just the, the way the game is kind of shaping up with the defense. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good question. I personally, I don't think the defensive issues are really – on the coaching because Torts is a pretty strong defensive coach for the most part. I, I really think this is a, a personnel issue. And as far as talent goes, like their back end personnel is so bad. It's so untalented as far as defense goes like TDA for as much offense as he gives you, he is just a, a train wreck on defense. Provorov supposed to be your strongest defender. He just, he, he has not been a, a good NHL player since Matt Niskanen retired. And he's had a really down year. He's been very disappointing this year. We've talked at length about how bad Risto is defensively. And Cam York's really like the only guy I've really been okay with so far. I mean, I, I, Ryan, how do you... Uh, I, I don't think it's a coaching issue issue whatsoever. It's it's just a talent evaluation issue. I mean, they, they traded for Risto. He, he was on an expiring contract. It was like, okay, he looks bad in Buffalo. Maybe a, a change of scenery can help him. and. It didn't really in that first year, yet they still extended him for five years, five million cap hit. Uh, did the same thing, traded for Tony D'Angelo, which the first sign is if Carolina is willing to trade a player, you should absolutely not be on the other end of that because – Yeah, that's uh, a warning sign. That's a red flag. Yeah, Dr. T and company there are just going to take you out of the woodshed, behind the woodshed there, and that's what they did. And they traded for Tony D'Angelo, who's not been great at all, and gave him a two-year, $5 million contract traded away ghost who Carolina just acquired by, by giving up a third round pick. And you got like Braun who's fine. I feel bad for Justin Braun. He, he, he wanted to be traded again somewhere. It, you know, it's, it's his fault for signing again with, with the flyers, but I feel bad for him. But yeah, it's, it's a matter of personnel and it's a matter of trying to, and you, you look at their cap friendly page, Provorov, Ristolainen, Sanheim, D'Angelo, there's no getting out of those contracts at, until after next season. And then you still have Risto until 27. Hopefully Sanheim can, they can find a good partner for him and that he can bounce back a bit. Uh, I admittedly have not watched as many Flyers games this year as, uh, as I should, or I have in the past. So I don't know. Why would you? <laughs> I don't know. Unless I, unless I bet on them or against them, then I watch them. But yeah, I'm the same way. I'm the same way this year. But yeah, it's they, they don't have the, the personnel. And from what I can tell, looking at the stats, they don't have the consistency in the pairs. They, they don't have guys that know what they're doing. There just seems to be guys in that lineup, changing up the pairs. And also that goes to the forward group too. They don't have the center depth. They don't have centers that are willing to play two-way hockey. They have Lawton at the wing now. I think I, think I should move him back to center if they want to shore that up. But 
Yeah, it's a, it, Kevin Hayes, who was signed and traded for and signed as a, a second line center, doesn't play center anymore. Yeah, that that contract is looking absolutely awful. We we, we all I, I liked it when when they, when they went out and got him and just to get that second line center, but it's it's a defenseman problem. It's just a five man unit problem that they're not buying into Torch's system, and that just goes back to you know maybe Torch is going to have a say this off season and who they go after. And uh, Brian Knight in the comments said he can't wait till Chuck gives Max Domi a, a nine million AAV contract, and he would be a perfect fit for for John Tortorella. I think I don't know if he would overlap there in Columbus with him, but I think Tortorella would love Domi. Man, the Flyers should be wearing a bunch of red hats at this rate. So Jesus Christ! One more comparison here, just to kind of go through Philly's folklore and to compare uh, career arcs. Uh, let's put Tony D'Angelo on the same career arc, uh, offensive def- defensive balance as Pat Burrell. Um, 30 oh, a year to 20 home runs. baby, that's a comp- <laughs> <laughs> So, um, thank you guys for letting me call in again. First time calling, long time listener, and uh, love what you guys do. Thank you so much. Pleasure, Jimothy. Great talking to you for once, man. Nice, nice to hear from you. All right, folks, uh, any any other callers? This is the time to jump in. We'll probably be wrapping up soon, but I uh, wouldn't mind talking to another person or two. But uh, if not, we are all good. Uh, Ryan, anything else you wanted to bring up uh, while we are here? No, this, this was definitely pretty cathartic. I know I, know I joined late and my, my rage had died down, but it, it, it's back up there. It, my, my rage <laughs> is up there. I may have to go uh, crack, crack a few cold ones tonight, watch some uh, good hockey teams, figure out which team I'm going to be following uh, the rest of the season into the playoffs. Obviously, I'm thinking. I'm thinking the, the Sens, Sens, right? We got to follow our old boy Claude Giroux. Yeah, the Sens, the Sens did exactly what the Flyers should have done. The Sens last off season, they, you know, they made the cap room to sign Giroux. They traded for Debrinkat. They traded for Kirby Doc, and now um, they traded for Chikrin at the deadline. And Kurt had a great piece today on on the website about how, you know, Chikrin was a much more of an improvement than the Flyers ever made when when Giroux was on the team and you know it, it's it's good for Claude Drew. I guess that's that's the one thing we can hope for is that the uh Sens can make a run here and make the playoffs and possibly I don't think they're gonna upset Boston, but it, it'll be fun to see. No. I don't think anybody's beaten Boston except for Carolina and we'll see what happens there. They Carolina they're a strong team, but they didn't make any splashes, but they also have one of the best systems in place. So I guess we'll see what happens in the East. I think Puyarvi could could go there and be like a solid third line contributor for them because they seem to get get the best out of players that you know aren't good at, elsewhere. And uh, our old friend Shane Gostisbehar ended up yeah. there, and uh, him and his uh, his French Bulldogs will be over in Carolina, and uh, hopefully doing the the old ghost shimmy, as Craig used to say. Yeah, he's got his uh, tight pants down there as well. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> Shane on the hog over there. Let me tell you. <laughs> Uh, Patrick, uh, any parting words you got right now? Yeah. Um, <laughs> kind of flyered out to be honest. Yeah, hey, why don't you go watch a movie or something? Crack open <laughs> a drink and we'll. Hey, I'm on number two, so we'll, we'll hopefully you catch up. Just cross... Isn't that season ticket thing tomorrow? I heard somebody say. It is, and oh. we we might have a I, I we want, might have a person hope, on the inside. I hope we get we video. An I want to know how bad it's going to get. I don't even know if Chuck's going to show. We 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 got a, we got a person on the inside, so we'll have a full report on that. Sweet. 
<laughs> All right. Well, folks, I am talked out. It's been almost two hours. Oh, wow. How about that? But it's been a pleasure hosting this live cathartic show for everybody, doing a little venting about the incompetence of the Philadelphia Flyers. And uh, Chuck Fletcher, who knows when he'll get fired? Probably never. He'll outlive us all in that position. And, you know, it is what it is. But uh, we love you all regardless. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey.